the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is, and a good morning to you. Seven minutes after the hour of 9 o'clock, and we are underway on a Tuesday. It's the 28th morning of the 12th month of the year of our Lord, 2021. Thanks for being with us this morning. Wow, what a holiday weekend. It has been some crazy stuff around here. Uh, it was blessed, uh, a very blessed holiday weekend. Enjoyed our Christmas Eve. Uh, and uh, by the way, I want to say thank you to some people before we get rolling into this morning. Because on uh, Thursday, we had a best of for you, and I want to thank the crew for doing that last second. I told you last week around, uh, what, Tuesday, Wednesday, the last couple of shows I did, that I was starting to come down with something. Indeed was. Head cold and, in fact, probably a little bit of flu because I got a little bit of a fever. Anyway, um, so we did a best of for you on Thursday. Then on Friday, we had uh, what I just have come to rely on every year at Christmas. And that is our friend Rob Walgate and Dave Zanotti, the group with the Public Square Broadcast Network, uh, Ohio Roundtable. They were able to share with us the recording of Christmas in America this year that was done. Uh, it's uh, it's become a highlight of our, our Christmas season every year. This year they did not have the live event in uh, Medina. They had the live event down in Nashville, and then they did a video presentation of it in Medina. But anyway, the Nashville event was so wonderful. Uh, such a great, great time listening to the uh, you know stories of, of yesterday and today. They did Christmas in America 2000 style. Anyway, we aired that. We normally air that on Christmas morning uh, on our program during this, this time slot. Uh, but since Christmas was Saturday, we aired it on Christmas Eve Friday. And uh, it was just it's just wonderful, and I hope you really enjoyed that. Then I want to say thank you to Khalid Damar for holding down the fort yesterday as we celebrated kind of a late Christmas in our family due to some travel situations. So really, really a great group of, of people uh, kind of pitched in over the course of the last few days to bring you some great radio 
uh, and I really hope you appreciated it uh, as much as I did. So thank you to those wonderful people. Coming up on today, I want to thank a couple of people in advance as I tell you that Josh Mandel, candidate for United States Senate, will be with me in about a half an hour at 9.35. Then at 10.10, it's Tuesday. It's kind of cool because it feels like a Monday for me because we're just starting out this week. Uh, and we get to start the week with Kersenow. Peter Kersenow will be with us at 1010 this morning to analyze everything that's going on in the uh, in the news world right now. So Mandel and Kersenow, the two guests today. And you are, of course, invited to be a guest whenever you want to call. 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. Either one of those numbers gets you here and I certainly look forward to hearing from you. I've got a lot to get into in the opening monologue, but I want to start then, of course, with our Pledge of Allegiance. So, patriots, please stand if you would. Please face a flag if you have one. If you don't, that's okay, too. But go ahead and join us for our pledge. Leftists, Biden voters, and those who think that using the phrase, let's go, Brandon, means you're an insurrectionist, looking at you, Nicole Wallace of MSNBC, yeah, you guys go ahead and take your knee. We know how you feel about this country anyway. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. All right, my friends, um, I, there's, a, there's a couple of places to start. Both of them start with President Brandon. And, uh, and I think I'm going to start with, with this. If you listen closely, that's the, sound of, that's the sound of Joe Biden tapping out. If you know anything about MMA, uh, mixed martial arts fighting or UFC, tap out is when somebody is uh, positioned in a hold in which it is so painful they cannot get out, uh, and they tap and surrender and give up the match. Or if they're being pounded mercilessly and they can't defend themselves, they'll, they'll either tap their, their opponent's shoulder or leg or wherever they can, or they'll tap the mat. And it's basically telling the official, stop the fight, stop the fight, I'm done. I give up. I can't win this fight. I give up. That's what tapping out is. Over the weekend, we heard the President of the United States tap out. He has tapped out and admitted defeat to COVID-19. Joe Biden admitted over the weekend that we cannot win this fight, that the federal government is powerless to stop COVID-19. Now, that in and of itself would be an amazing story. That in and of itself would be something, you know, that is extraordinary, really extraordinary. But it's made even more so by the fact that this is the guy, President Joe Brandon, who ran his entire campaign or the, the bulk of his campaign in 2020 on the fact that he had a solution for COVID-19. He ran his campaign. You remember that very famous tweet in which Joe Biden said, Donald Trump still doesn't have a plan for COVID? I do. This was in the campaign in 2020, in the middle of the, the pandemic, you know, and it, when it was at its worst. And, well, actually, I shouldn't say that anymore. It wasn't at its worst in March, April, May, June, July, August of 2020. That's when it should have been at its worst, right? 
if the vaccines, as they are called, worked, then it would be at its worst during that pre-vaccine period, right? And right now, we would be in a state of great decline of COVID-19 if the vaccines worked. But they don't work. Nonetheless, Joe Biden said, I do. Those two little words said Donald Trump doesn't have a plan for COVID on how to defeat COVID. I do. That's what he said as he ran for president. Now that he's one year into his presidency, he says this about COVID-19. Look, there is no federal solution. This gets solved at a state level. Wait, what did you just say? There is no federal solution. This gets solved at a state level. Suddenly, we have gone from Donald Trump doesn't have a plan on how to defeat COVID, I do, to there is no plan on how to defeat COVID. There is no federal solution. The federal government can't do this. The federal government can't win this. Therefore, he's tapping out. He's admitting defeat. I've got nothing, is what he is saying. He's looking at the referee of the match and saying, I'm done. I can't win. This is killing me. This is crushing my, uh, crushing my um, uh, uh, approval ratings. It's dogging me at every turn. I can't win. There is no federal solution, he wants everyone to know. There is no federal solution. Where was that line when Donald Trump was president of the United States and battling COVID-19 in 2020 and pushing through Operation Warp Speed the development of vaccines, which ultimately, not that President Trump knew this would be the case, but ultimately proved to be extraordinarily ineffective, these non-vaccines. Where was this guy then? Why wasn't Joe Biden mocking Donald Trump and saying, I can't believe this guy thinks that he's going to be able to stop COVID-19? There is no federal solution to COVID-19. He didn't say that when he was running. He said, I have the solution. I have the prescription. I have a plan to defeat COVID-19. You remember when he and Kamala Harris submitted publicly their seven-point plan on how to defeat COVID-19? Yeah, I'm old, I'm old enough to remember that. How about you? And I'm also old, old enough to hear yesterday, Joe Biden declaring... There is no federal solution. This gets solved at a state level. I'm- As he mumbled and stumbled through his dentures, there is no federal solution. It gets done at the state level. It's at the state level. In other words, don't blame me for any of the COVID deaths that I blamed on Donald Trump. Blame the governors. This has to be done at the state level. Blame somebody else. Don't blame me. This is an astounding development. It would be astounding no matter what had happened, but particularly considering one of the most constant repeated lines of attack on Trump during the entirety of the year 2020 was that Trump wasn't doing enough to take the virus seriously, didn't have a plan to stop it, and that we needed a national response, a better federal response to the COVID-19 virus. And he was just the man to respond. 
Now here he is one year in, and he's tapping the mat. I give up. I can't win. This hurts. That's an astounding admission. And the idea that this man is admitting that he has no no response to COVID is now just added on top of the rest of the of the extraordinary horrific state of affairs that he has been responsible for in this country. The energy crisis, the cost of energy, not just at the pumps, but the cost of energy in your home, the record number of drugs coming across the southern border, the record number of gang members and cartel members and human traffickers coming across the border. Hundreds of Americans abandoned on direct command in Afghanistan. Inflation, the likes of which we haven't seen in 40 years. Supply chain issues. Crime rates spiking one end of the country to the other. Unconstitutional mandates on the American people, forcing them to surrender the most important freedom that they have, and that is the freedom to make their own decisions about their own health, their own bodily autonomy. I mean, add all of this up, and you have just an abysmal first year of his presidency, and he wraps that first year on his way out of 2021 by saying, I tap out, I give up, I've got no solution for this. Look, there is no federal solution. This gets solved at a state level. Look, there is no federal solution. This gets solved at a state level. I mean, it's, it's just a, it's a remarkable thing to hear. And maybe that's why, maybe that's why the left is so extraordinarily overprotective of this man. They realize he's in over his head, and they supported him. Therefore, they cannot allow people to take pot shots at him, including during a televised NORAD appearance. And you know where I'm going with this, because you probably saw it as quickly as I did. Joe Biden and First Lady Jill Biden were taking phone calls as they participated in this Santa tracker, which is a nice tradition. Nothing wrong with this at all, of course. They're taking phone calls as parents call and they have their kids call and, you know, find out where Santa is and what the ETA is going to be for our state, our region, our locality, et cetera. It's just one of those nice traditions as the NORAD Santa tracker, um, you know, monitors where the sleigh is right now. And they were taking calls and they got a call from Oregon and the caller from Oregon has gone viral, as has the response to this call from Oregon. That ended this way. Yeah, I hope you guys have a wonderful Christmas as well. Uh, Merry Christmas, and let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. I agree. (laughs) Hey, I can't play it enough to for my own satisfaction. I probably shouldn't play it very often because I will give. I'll go into a laughing fit, which will bring about a coughing fit. As a matter of fact, as I uh, recover from my cold. Yeah, I hope you guys have a wonderful Christmas as well. Uh, Merry Christmas, and let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. I agree. Hey, by the way, it's not the issue. It's not the fact that an American citizen 
called in to talk to Joe Biden on the NORAD uh, uh, little special thing and wanted to tell the President of the United States to his face, let's go, Brandon. It's not enough. That in and of itself would be an extraordinary story. The fact that Joe Biden, a.k.a. Joe Brandon, has absolutely no idea what he is hearing and saying that is so astounding. One would think that among his staff, his, his just, you know, dozens and dozens and dozens of staffers, that somebody might tell him what let's go Brandon means at some point in the past, I don't know, how long has it been going on? Two months? Three months? How long has it been since let's go Brandon? Four months? I don't remember when that race was, that NASCAR race that this whole thing started on. But one might think that at some point in the period of time that Let's Go Brandon became the viral sensation that it is in the way of saying blank Joe Biden, which has been the popular chant at massive gatherings from college football games to uh, to baseball games. So this has been a few months. It was going on in baseball stadiums, I think even in the World Series in Atlanta, I think. Uh, but to, oh, I mean, massive crowds chanting, blank Joe Biden as just a, 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 a response to everything that this country is enduring because of this guy's leadership or lack thereof. Somebody might have told Joe Biden that when somebody says, let's go, Brandon, it's not a compliment, sir. They are saying blank you. Blank you, Biden. Blank you, Joe Biden, is what they're saying. He doesn't know this. Or if he did know this, which is probable... He didn't remember this because he has a cognitive deficiency here. This is the reality of the situation. He literally said on live television, let's go, Brandon, I agree. Blank Joe Biden, I agree. Blank me, I agree. Yeah, I hope you guys have a wonderful Christmas as well. Uh, Merry Christmas and let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon, I agree. Hey, I sign my sign off my show, and I have really for the past couple of months. At the end of every show, I end it with Let's Go, Brandon. And there's a very good reason for it. And it's not to be juvenile. It's not to be, you know, you know outrageous or anything of that nature. There's a message behind it. And the message is deeper than just the actual words that Let's Go, Brandon are substituted for. There is a message that I think this population is trying to send about the entirety of the way this country is run right now and what this country is doing to its people right now. There's a much bigger message there. And the real story, the viral story, shouldn't be that a caller, an American citizen, called into Joe Biden and said, let's go Brandon to his face. The real viral story shouldn't be Joe Biden's repeating of that and acceptance of it, saying, I agree. The real story should be in the media's coverage of it. I'll explain what that means coming right up as we continue on AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, 927, short segment here before we get to the news, and then uh, Josh Mandel after the uh, bottom of the hour news. But I want you to listen to the insanity here of the American left, as represented by the American leftist media in this case, MSNBC, Nicole Wallace hosting a panel of people there to continue to just trash conservatism in America. 
And I want you to listen to Nicole Wallace tell you why it's so dangerous, dangerous to allow people to say, let's go, Brandon. Listen. I don't know where to start. Let me tell you why this matters. Um, The asymmetry has always been what advantages the Trump right more than anything else. And the asymmetry of saying F you to a sitting president on a call in front of your four kids. Don't look past this. Don't look at this as a story about giving airtime to a MAGA guy who goes on Steve Bannon's podcast and said, I wasn't joking. Not only did I say F you, Mr. President. I said more than that. This is the slow motion insurrection, Jason, in in full color. She um, she said that she she said it, and she meant it. She said that "Let's Go Brandon" is a slow motion insurrection. "Let's Go Brandon" is going to lead to an actual insurrection and an overthrow of the Biden presidency. These people are flat-out lunatics. She referenced the caller um, who uh, called in to uh, tell Joe, Brand, Joe Biden, let's go, Brandon. He called into Steve Bannon's uh, podcast. His name is Jared Schmeck. I mentioned to you that he's from Oregon, and he did call uh, uh, Steve Bannon's podcast to explain exactly what he meant and why let's go, Brandon was an appropriate thing to say at that moment. I want you to listen to this guy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, Let's Go Brandon is, and, I, and I've said it in other articles, I, I am a Christian man. Uh, it's For me, it's God first and foremost. I don't follow any one man blindly. Um, some of the media has run with that and said I don't support Donald Trump. That's absolutely false. Donald Trump is my president, and he should still be president right now. Uh, the election was 100% stolen. Um, so I, I just want to make that clear. Um, but uh, Let's Go Brandon is, is more than just F. Joe Biden. Uh, Let's go, Brandon. Is encompasses the the entirety of our frustration with Joe Biden, the administration, the leftist mob, the cancel culture, the mainstream media. They're the ones who made this a uh, thing, and uh, we're we're able as uh, as conservatives, we're able to find humor in this. Um, but there, there's terrible things going on. Uh, we've got the debacle in Afghanistan. I mean, they're not even talking about that anymore. It's crazy to me how quickly they they forgot that story, and no one's talking about it. There's still people trapped over there. Um, we've got the uh, supply chain issues. We've got the inflation rates. Um, we've got uh, terrible policies on, on abortion. I'm a very pro-life person, um, and uh, absolutely terrible uh, policies on abortion. Um, and the, the border crisis, uh, the federal mandates regarding vaccines, I mean, it, it just... There's, there's more than I could even say <laughs> in, in a day. Jer- Jer- so that's Jared Schmeck, uh, the Oregon dad who called in and told Joe Biden to his face, let's go, Brandon, saying it's about more than just Joe Biden. It's about more than just F.U. Biden or F. Joe Biden. It's about a pushback on all of the things that led to Joe Biden. All of the things that prop up Joe Biden. All of the things that are being done in Joe Biden's name. Everything. And it is a way for us to express frustration without being as vulgar as the left is, which actually said the words, blank you Trump. There wasn't a euphemism for it. There wasn't an acronym. There wasn't a a replacement. They just said it. Robert De Niro stood in front of a live audience and a televised audience on stage at the Tony Awards and said, blank Trump, with the F word spelled out, blank Trump. 
got a standing ovation, not once, but twice. I didn't hear Nicole Wallace on MSNBC talking about how that's a slow-motion insurrection. I didn't hear anybody clutching their pearls and wringing their hands about this incredible display of disrespect for the President of the United States. They said nothing except to highlight how much they all hated Trump. Now somebody doesn't use the words blank Joe Biden, but actually says let's go Brandon as a substitute, a, 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 a more polite substitute for it, and it's all over now. Insurrection is coming. These people are parodies of themselves at this point. News time now. Josh Mandel next. AM 1420. The answer. Giving woke America a wake-up call. Courtesy of the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. All right, 936. Good Tuesday morning to you. Thanks for being with us. Don't forget, Curse Now comes your way at 1010. I know Pete is loaded, uh, locked and loaded and ready to go after the Christmas holiday. Uh, so thanks so much for being with us. And thanks also to uh, Ohio Senate candidate Josh Mandel for joining us on our first program post-Christmas. Josh Mandel, good morning. Good to have you back on the program. How are you? I'm doing well, Bob. Always great to be on. Did you have a nice holiday weekend? It was great. Yeah, it's great. We uh, a lot of family, and uh, my kids are five, seven, and eight. We have Gideon, who's five years old, Judah, who's seven years old, and Rosie, who's eight years old. So uh, we had a blast. I so envy uh, you. I envy yeah. you. Those ages are so incredible around the Christmas time or or the holiday season. I absolutely love that. My children are twenty and eighteen now, but it feels like last year they were eight and six, uh, like you you have right now. So it's a great, great time. Uh, soak up every minute of that, Josh, and I know you understand that. Josh, um, a, a few things I want to get into with you as we talk about the campaign and where things are, um, including a little bit of controversy. I didn't find your tweet all that controversial because I agree with it. I think the idea, and we have talked about this in a number of different um, circumstances on our program, uh, this idea of drag queens putting on their strange get-ups and outfits, most of them very sexualized, uh, and going into libraries all across this state uh, and and reading to children and trying to normalize what I believe to be deviant behavior, um, you know, to children, to very young children. So I don't think this is such a controversial tweet, but it got you into a little bit of uh, hot water with um, with the LGBTQ community. You tweeted... Near West Theater in Cleveland is hosting Drag Queen Story Hours for children. And at UH Hospitals, the recipient of massive taxpayer funding is sponsoring it. This publicly funded insanity and child abuse must be stopped. There was a huge pushback, apparently, by a publication called The Buckeye Flame. I didn't know this was a thing until they responded to you. Uh, Apparently, they are an LGBTQ plus supportive publication online publication um they have come at you pretty hard in response uh josh tell me why you tweeted what you tweeted and what is your response to the buckeye flame well i think grown men dressing up as over overly sexualized stereotypes of women and wanting to read picture books to children is disturbing it's abusive and i don't think these guys should be 
anywhere near kids. We got to let kids be kids. And the fact that university hospitals, which is taxpayer funded, is sponsoring something like this, we got to be asking the question, well, why are our our tax dollars being used to fund this? And for your listeners that don't totally understand because it's uh, you know what 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 i posted because it's tough to visualize it over the radio imagine a theater with grown men dressed up as women doing story hour to five-year-olds they're pushing sexuality on five-year-olds and I, i just as a dad and just as a american as a citizen I just don't think it's right. I mean, we got to let kids be kids, and I'm, I'm, I'm really disturbed by how society is trying to push sexuality on young kids. You know, when I was five or I was seven or I was nine, like I, I was playing kickball and you know I was playing freeze tag and you know I was hanging out with my buds, riding bikes or on scooters. You know, we 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 weren't dealing with these kind of things, and you know. I, my personal feeling, Bob, is shame on the adults who are pushing the sexuality on on kids. It, it's just let's just let kids be kids. How do you respond then, Josh, to those who would say, if you want your kids to go play kickball, let them go play kickball the way young Josh Mandel did. Nobody is forcing you to bring your kids to Drag Queen Story Hour. This is something that is voluntary, voluntary, um, and it is by parents' choice. So who are you to tell them what to do? How do you respond to that? Well, listen, we, we as citizens, we as parents have complete freedom in this country. Um, and we want to empower moms and dads to raise our kids how we deem best to raise them. But when tax money gets involved, and university hospitals is taxpayer-funded, we've got a whole other situation on our hands. And part of, part of the reality of, of this situation, Bob, that really violates my sensibilities is the fact that this theater thinks it's a good idea to push sexuality on kids, they're creating an environment where it's normalized, and it shouldn't be normalized. It's just, it's, it's dead wrong. And listen, what adults do, adults do. But when kids are involved, come on, guys, we, we got to be more responsible, and we, we, we have to allow kids to enjoy their childhood and, and be kids, and we shouldn't have grown men dressed as over overly sexualized stereotypes of women reading books during a drag queen story i can't can't even believe these words are coming out of my mouth it it just sounds so insane and if anyone goes on my facebook or my twitter or other social media you can you can see the pictures of it the images are just really really disturbing yeah we're talking with uh former ohio treasurer and now current ohio uh republican primary candidate for the ohio senate seat held by rob portman josh mandel um ward 15 cleveland uh council member jenny spencer said this i felt shaken after reading josh mandel's tweet the mission of drag queen story hours to create a welcoming environment where aspiring readers can celebrate diversity and inclusion and break the stigma around harmful gender stereotypes. My experience of the evening was precisely that, and moreover, it was a heartwarming and joyful holiday experience for all who attended. Um, Josh, my first thought to that is, in other words, we are, we are trying to create an environment in which children are taught to ignore science. 
in which children are, are taught to believe that there is no such thing as XXXY, that there are boys, there are girls, there are men, there are women, that they can cross over uh, on, a, on a moment's notice or on their whims, because that's what she means when she says break the stigma around harmful gender stereotypes. To me, this just smacks of more of the indoctrination we are seeing in public schools. The indoctrination in the schools that, that you reference and the uh, the left's putting their head in the sand uh, when, when, when basic science is discussed is harmful to kids. And the reality is there are only two genders. Boys are boys, girls are girls, period. And to your point, Bob, you know, these leftists, they try to lecture us about science and how they're the experts in science. Like, wait a second, if you're the experts in science, how do you not know that there's only two genders? Boys are boys and girls are girls. And it's this whole thing about quote-unquote, gender fluidity and allowing elementary school kids to just wake up one day and pick their gender, and then all of a sudden, uh, you know, Billy's a boy on Monday, but on Tuesday he says, call me Bonnie, I'm going to play girl sports. I mean, it, it, it's getting insane. And, and, and you, know, you know, with the whole uh, boys playing girl sports thing, you know, you want to know who, who really, really gets the short end of the stick and who it's unfair to, it's our daughters, it is our daughters who are working hard. Like my daughter Rosie, she she's doing taekwondo, and you know some of her friends play soccer, and some of her other friends play basketball. Well, if one of these young ladies who's eight decides to really focus and dedicate to taekwondo or soccer or basketball, and all of a sudden, seven years from now they're fifteen and they're an all star, and then a, a a boy decides to get on the court and says, "Oh, you know what? I'm not a boy anymore. I'm I'm a girl." That is unfair to our daughters. It is unfair to women throughout this country. And I, I will tell you this, Bob, you, you think of like the Gloria Steinems and all these people over the years who purported to be for, quote-unquote, women's rights. Their, their silence right now is deafening because, you know, women's rights are being trampled by this whole thing about this, this, this race to transgender everything. And it's the young ladies our daughters who are athletes and who are performers and who you know have big dreams who are really getting screwed over by the transgender craziness in this country and, and let's just remember the percentages here we're talking about less than one percent of the population you know you, if you watch tv or you read some of these articles you think it's like half the population it's this teeny tiny minuscule percentage of the population that woke america is trying to to cater to well and they're trying to increase their numbers by by recruiting and that's one of the most disturbing things about this and i think this ties directly into the drag time or drag queen story hour uh, in california we are seeing numerous reports of parents finding out after the fact that their children are being recruited into transgenderhood if you will telling you know having their their names changed their pronouns reassigned and so on while they're at school trying to convince these kids that they are something that they're not and telling them don't tell mom and dad don't tell them that because they will not allow this they will ridicule you blah 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 you keep being you and these young children so impressionable listening to teachers who have this um uh, this agenda there there there's like okay okay and they go along and so the numbers of of transgenders if you will that you just described correctly and accurately those with the actual psychological delusions and the psychological conditions called gender gender dysphoria which is so minuscule as you described they're looking to expand that number so that they have more power to advance their agenda and the way to do that is recruit kids and try to talk kids into being part of their movement by saying i'm one of you and that's that to me is exactly what you said in your tweet it's child abuse 
Exactly. It's child abuse. And let me just drill down on, on that point you just made about the government schools and the teachers and the administrators of the government schools doing this behind the backs of the parents. Think about that for a second. You know, you as a mom or dad, you, you entrust the school system to educate your kids about American history and mathematics and science and English and reading. But instead of the schools focusing on that, behind your backs, the schools are trying to convince your, you know, eight-year-old boy that he's really a girl. I mean, this is nuts. It's, it's, it's totally nuts and going on, going on behind the backs of the parents. Down in Hamilton County, Bob, in, in the Cincinnati area, there was a kid who wanted to have, be, change gender, have a sex change, whatever, and the parents were like, you know, we're not going to do that. You're, you're a minor. You're our kid. You know, once you're an adult, you can do what you want to do, but right now you're living under this roof in this household, and we're just going to give you time. You know, your, your body is not fully developed physically. It's not fully developed you know, mentally, and, like, we're just, we're just going to give it some time. Mm-hmm. The government stepped in, Bob, and took this child away from the parents, called the parents child abusers because they wouldn't let their kid have a sex change. I mean, th- this is what's going on. I mean, this is the power-hungry government, the woke corporations, the woke politicians who are trying to trample on the rights of us as parents. It's got to stop. And I don't care if it's like someone like me who's running for U.S. Senate or it's someone running for governor or Congress or state legislature or mayor or dog catcher. We need people in positions of public trust who have the right core values, have traditional American values, who understand boys are boys and girls are girls, and who are willing to stand up for the rights of parents. Just a dovetail on that, Josh. You know, when we talk about the schools doing all of these things without the parents' knowledge and, in fact, intentionally covering it up from the parents, it ties into what Nicole Hannah-Jones said a couple of days ago. She's back in the news now, the author of the 1619 Creative Fiction Project. Um, she says parents should don't have a right to uh, or uh, to say what their kids learned in school. Quote, I'm not a professor, professional educator. I don't have a degree in social studies or science. We send our children to school because we want them to be taught by people who have an expertise in the subject area. That's not my job as a parent. So she's doubling down on the parents shouldn't have a say in what their children are taught. And if, by the way, that means deciding whether they should be taught the principles of Algebra 1 or Algebra 2, fine. Let the math professionals decide where to go with that and what the kids can do and what level they're at. And I would agree with that. The educators have an expertise there. But when it comes to who and what my children are, and when it comes to uh, whether or not they should feel good or bad about their sex or their race and whether or whether or not they're oppressors or or victims, um, you doggone well better believe that the parents have a right in in, uh, in in dictating some of that of what goes on in their public schools. You better believe it. And listen, most of the parents I know, they want their kids to be taught the opposite of the New York Times 1619 Project the opposite of critical race theory. You know, the critical race theory and the 1619 Project from the New York Times, that's all about dividing kids down racial lines. It's about fostering division. It's about facilitating racial division. My personal belief is that we should be advancing what Martin Luther King preached. You know, judge people, you know, based on the content of their character, not the color of their skin. When I was in the Marine Corps, Bob, you know, the drill instructors say to you at Paris Island when you get there, they say, listen, we don't care what color your skin is. We don't care what religion you are. We don't care where you came from. 
we don't care how much money or little money your mommy and daddy have. You're all equally worthless to us. And so that's, uh, you know, when you get on that island at Marine Boot Camp, they say that on day one. And what they were saying was, you're all Marines. That's all that matters. That was May of 2000 when I, when I got to Paris Island. Four years later, I found myself in a town called Al-Qaim, which is in Iraq, right where the Euphrates River meets the Iraq-Syria border. And as we were trying to stop the flow of foreign weapons and foreign fighters across the Syrian border, I guarantee you, Bob, we did not give a hoot whether the guy to our left or right was a black kid from inner-city Bronx or a white kid from backwoods Tennessee. All we cared was, are they a good Marine? Because I was putting my life in his hands, he was putting his life in my hands, and we were brothers. I think that's the mentality we need in the civilian world as well. You know, you just treat everyone with dignity and respect, brothers and sisters, and we have each other's back, and we're, and we're kind. I, I, I took my uh, kids uh, roller skating to a roller rink this uh, past Sunday, and um, we were sitting there putting the skates on, and my daughter said to me, said, said Daddy, we're, we're the only white people here. And I said, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. I said, imagine what it feels like if someone's black, and they're the only black person somewhere where everyone else is right. white. I said, it doesn't matter. The skin color doesn't matter. And right as I was saying that to my daughter, Rosie, this kid rolled by in a skate, and his shirt said, being kind is cool. And Rosie saw that, and she's like, you know what? I like that shirt. Went up and talked to the kid. My son, Judah, started skating with two boys there, never met before. And I, I was looking out there. as like my three kids who are white are out there. There's the only white kids on that roller rink thinking, you know what? This is America. This is a beautiful thing. My, these kids who were five, seven, and eight, they, they just saw these other kids there as human beings, and they were just being kind, and they were just making friends. And, like, that's what America is about. That's what our country is about. And I'm sick and tired, Bob, of the left trying to divide our kids down racial lines, trying to divide our kids down socioeconomic lines, trying to divide our kids down other lines. Like, let kids be kids and allow parents to be in control. Well, if the left had their way, all of the black kids at that roller rink that you were at would be looking at your white kids and thinking of them as oppressors and looking at them with demon eyes. And your white kids would be looking at those black kids and seeing them as victims and feel the need to go up and apologize to apologize to every single one of them for something they never did. That is literally what the left is pushing through critical race theory. Uh, and that is a dangerous, dangerous and disgusting thought uh, that that could be, you know, what our what our what our future, the, uh, the future of our society holds. Let these kids, as you said, see each other as kids, not as the enemy or the victim or the oppressor or what have you. Josh, I wish we had more time to talk about the race. Talk about uh, uh, also policing. I know you wrote an op-ed about that, uh, but we'll have you on again soon. We'll do that. I thank you for coming on this morning. I really appreciate it, and uh, and uh, best of luck the rest of the way. Thanks, man. Take care. Thank you, Josh. Josh Mandel joining us. Uh, we're a little late now at 954. We'll come right back. Yeah, I hope you guys have a wonderful Christmas as well. Uh, Merry Christmas, you. and let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. I agree. <laughs> Charlie in Westlake, you're on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Hello, Charlie. Go right ahead. Hey, Bob. Thanks for taking the call. Good, sure. good program. Uh, first thing I said: Jesus is my Lord. Trump's my president, and Mandela is my senator. That's all I can say. But. Uh, 
you know they they're they're trying to say that that uh, so let's go Brandon is trying is a insurrection chant. Yeah, that's what they're trying to say. Yes, I, I mean unbelievable. They what they will do is prophesy. If they try to steal another election, it will become an insurrection. Uh, that's what they cannot steal another election. And, well, you know, uh, the, the irony things. of it, yeah, the, the irony of it is, is you know, they continue to call those who believe that Trump stole the election, which Jared Schmeck, the guy who called into Brand, uh, to President Brandon and called him, uh, you know, Brandon, um, they, they're, they're trying to say they're the ones who are the perpetrators of the big lie and the, and the promoters of the big lie. Do you know that, that more than 50% of Democrats still don't think Donald Trump won the election legitimately? who still believe that Hillary Clinton had the election stolen by Russian collusion, they've been telling their big lie now for going on six years. And yet they're complaining that Donald Trump and his supporters believe the election was stolen on November 3rd and that they went to the Capitol to express their opinions on that. Don't certify the election, they were chanting. Uh, did they cross the line and did they? Uh, and maybe were they encouraged to do so by going into the building? Absolutely. Was that wrong? Absolutely. Was it an attempt to overthrow the government? Absolutely not. Nobody starts an insurrection without arms and without battle plans. None of those things happen. It could have been a trial run practice. If they steal another election, January 6th will just be, oh, yeah, that was nothing compared to what will happen. They can't do it I hope you're not saying that, Charlie. I hope you're not saying that with a hopeful tone because that's what I'm hearing. No, 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 no. I love my country. But they are, we are living in two different cultures. And, and the division is getting worse. They steal another election. They cheat us out of another presidency. Right, Charlie, I'm going to let you They're go here because I don't like what you're saying. I don't believe in it at all. And I don't like your tone. I, I'm sorry. I just don't. I don't. You're making it sound as though if they steal another election, we should uh, go in, and, and, and attack the Capitol in, with such a fervor that made January 6th look, 6th look like nothing. As if that's the answer. To another stolen election. That will never be the answer to another election outcome that we don't believe in. That will never be the answer. I don't like that tone. I don't like that suggestion that, that you know, if they steal another one, boy, it's going to be way worse than the last time. No, I, I don't like that suggestion. I don't like that promotion. I don't like that, that mindset at all. I hope you rethink it. That's not the answer. We have answers. That is not it. All right, uh, it's 10 o'clock. Cursing out next. AM 1420, The Answer. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.